I'm Rena Striegel. Welcome to Ag Inspo, the podcast that focuses on innovation and creativity in agriculture. In my travels across the U.S., my mind is blown by the farmers, ranchers, and business owners who are contributing to the richness of the agricultural landscape. My hope is that by sharing their stories, you will be inspired to have the courage to break through and bring an idea you have to life. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ag Inspo. Today, we're going to be talking to Jeff Kanger, and he is the president of First State Bank in Lincoln, Nebraska. But we're not only going to be talking about banking today. First State Bank has done a very innovative uh, thing by joining into a partnership with Lambertson Financial. And today we're going to learn how this amazing alliance has created some very cool opportunities for farmers in transition. So let's bring on Jeff and let's hear what he's up to. Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time out of your afternoon to talk with me a little bit. You know, we have gotten to know each other over the last year, and this has been some uh, topic that I've been excited to bring to the Ag Inspo podcast simply because, you know, as a bank and a banker, you're super cool and doing some unique things. But then you're also in an alliance with another company that I'm sort of being a little bit uh, secretive about because I want everybody to hang around so they can hear about one of the truly unique things that you and the bank are doing. But before we get into all of that, why don't you just take a couple of seconds and introduce yourself to the audience? Rena, thanks a lot for having us. Uh, Jeff Kanger, I'm the president of First State Bank Nebraska, and uh, we're a community bank uh, here in Nebraska that is over 100 years old, and we take being a community bank very, very seriously. Uh, we've decided to grow uh, so we can grow our, our communities, grow ourselves, and also grow our producers. And uh, we're just under a billion dollars in assets. And what that means is we have more opportunities to give back uh, to support football fields and, and things like that. But we also know, like a lot of folks, we need to continue to grow uh, to be to be competitive in the market. So while we are a community bank, we lend throughout the nation. Um, and really, our, our niche in the world is being a solution provider, largely for ag producers. Uh, over 60% of our bank uh, touches agriculture, either directly or indirectly. We do a little bit of commercial lending and a little bit of one to four family. Agricultural production is where it's at um, for First State Bank Nebraska. I've been at the bank now over 11 years, and we've about tripled in size over the time. And we feel like we're just keeping up with the waves and the trends. So when someone comes to us and says, hey, I'm trying to grow my operation, what can you do? We can help them from a bank standpoint, but we can also empathize because we're trying to grow our business as well and remain competitive. And so the opportunity to do that over the, over the years has been amazing. And we use a couple tools um, to kind of distinguish ourselves from a lot of other community banks, uh, we love getting to yes. Our yes just might not be the most traditional path because we're trying to find that solution for somebody. We use um, FSA lending quite a bit for new and beginning farmers. We've done FSA loans um, from Oregon down to Louisiana, over in Ohio. Again, we do that from Nebraska. We actually employ a couple of folks in a smaller community in our state that they can serve the country um, using our network and, and using technology. And so FSA is a huge tool we've, we've leveraged to help producers. Something we also do uh, on the ag production side 
to help folks. You know, not everyone has 30% down or 40% down, which most bankers ask for. Um, we use the Small Business Administration, and it's not commonly understood that you can use SBA financing in the agricultural sector. And an example of that would be uh, poultry production. We financed uh, dozens of barns within Nebraska and the Midwest using loans through the Small Business Administration. What does that mean in application? That means a 20-something that graduated that thinks poultry production is a way to diversify the operation has an opportunity to get in the game without coming up with four or $500,000 down. It's not uncommon for a four-barn poultry site to cost, you know, this day and age, post-COVID, over $2 million. Right. How, do, how does a young person get back in the game or get in the game at that? Well, we use an SBA guarantee to come in and give them an opportunity to enter with much less money down, amortize that loan over a responsible period of time so they're not uh, strapped with debt service right out of the gate, uh, but also giving them an equity provider as well. So sure. I, I, a couple of things we do with FSA and SBA that really helps us be competitive to help, help people grow their, grow their business. So that's kind of unique because most of the time when people think about those lenders, they think about having to go somewhere else. They don't think about going to their bank and meeting with an expert in those two uh, disciplines right in the bank itself. So that definitely is something very unique that I was really surprised the first time we talked about it, that I was like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. So how, how, does, how does that make it easier for the client? I mean, there's obviously some things that logically you would think would make it easier, but like in terms of shortening up the time it takes to get an approval, you know, have you found that that collaboration between those, you know, areas of expertise makes it easier, quicker, simpler? Is there more creativity that happens because pre people are brainstorming? Like what is the experience that the client receives from that? No, I, I appreciate you asking because when, when we usually lead with FSA or SBA, I hear something like, I've heard that's really difficult. Um, and, you know, it can be. I, I recognize that. However, we've invested to become a preferred lender with FSA and SBA. And that means we're kind of driving the ship on that loan and the approval process. And that would be one distinguishing thing with our shop, I, I think, that brings value to, to our clients. We've done it before. We have the relationships we can get to yes. Mm -hmm. um, I'll use the example of the poultry production. You know, when you're putting in a, a poultry facility, there can be, depending on where you're at, quite a few environmental regulations. Mm -hmm. um, well, we cut that, you know, we cut our teeth on that three, four years ago and found the path um, that, of course, respects the environment, but also the producer. These projects can't wait nine months on regulatory red tape. Time is a factor. Inputs and expenses are not really going down. We've got right. to get these projects done. So by being a preferred lender, both with SBA and FSA, I think goes a long way in facilitating that client experience. And the second thing with being a community bank, it's the value of a person. Technology is great and we do the best we can to automate uh, as much as possible. We did about $70 million in PPP loans, paycheck protection program loans during COVID all electronic, but we also had people behind the technology that were there to help with tax return submissions. And, and so how does that, how does that relate to FSA and SBA? We have experts on staff who that's what they do all day, every day. 
They understand, and most of them are in ag production. Mm -hmm. So they get the FSA side. They also get the producer side. They also get the family continuity side because they're trying to grow their own operation. So what we're hoping to share with folks is we're that lender that's been there and is there throughout the experience. Uh, we don't just hand you off to you know, a government official to try and get an approval. We walk that process with you. And in many situations, it's a journey we're walking ourselves because uh, we're all largely involved in agriculture one way or another. So the two things I'd highlight for folks that say, I've heard that that was a bad experience. Well, they have a dedicated person that does FSA and SBA lending all day. And also, are they preferred lenders? We bring both of those tools to the table um, to help that person you know, get to yes and do so where they feel good at the end. Nobody likes bludgeoning themselves to finally get there. Um, you want to focus on production. You want to focus on your operation. It's our job to help you through that process. So you can handle your marketing, handle your inputs, handle your bird contracts and protect your margins. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about ag diversification. And I know this isn't specifically about the bank itself, but I'm finding this to be, you know, one of the conversations that we hear a lot at the farm level, which is, you know, are we sustainable into the next generation if we just continue to do what we're doing? So can we support the number of families that are coming in? Can we, you know, leverage our land base appropriately? So from the bank's perspective, how often are you, you know, fielding requests or conversations from clients that are coming in and saying, we want or need to diversify. Can you help us? Is that is that something that you're hearing a lot of right now? I would say that that trend is increasing. Um, you know, ten years ago there wasn't a lot of chat on that, but I would throw out maybe ten years ago diversification meant I need to get a job in town, and with you know protein and hog or poultry production, maybe there's a way for that town job to come back to the farm. Mm -hmm. And that is an imp that's something we've heard quite a bit of, especially recently. So you've got and we call it protein production coming back, integrators and contracts being attractive for folks from diversification. People talk about you know organic conversions. There's a lot of things within kind of the eco-friendly space or alternative agriculture production that people are looking at, not only for their operation, you know, the mom and pop family farm but also for that operation looking to attract kids to return. Mm -hmm. There has to be something to come back to. And I feel like we're coming to that moment in time where eyes and ears are wide open for opportunities because we love the lifestyle of rural America. We love the community. You know, bandwidth is there so technology can support an operation. And speaking of technology, um, maybe they're able to do more now than their conventional row crop operation of the past because they freed up some time. Yeah. Well, what can I do with that time to inject value into our operations? So those are all things we're hearing about right now as folks look um, to really set their family or their farm up for the next 10 to 20 years. It's going to look a bit different from the previous 20. And I, I just think we're in that sweet spot of what are those things and what are my financing opportunities to get them done? Because they're yeah. all capital intensive. 
Yeah, you've mentioned um, poultry production just a little bit. So I'm going to use this as the sort of the example for my question. But if you've got, you know, a family that has historically just produced row crop and they come into the bank and they go, hey, we want to put up a poultry barn. So these are people that have no experience with poultry, just they know they need to diversify. What are some of the conversations that you have with them to help them prepare for that? Because maybe from a cash flow perspective, they can finance it. But what does the bank look for in terms of preparedness to take on that diversification opportunity? That's a great question, um, especially if your family's not been exposed to that in the past. So how do we address kind of the servicing of that opportunity? And what we're seeing a lot of is whether it's in poultry or hogs, again, in protein production, there's a lot of contract integrators out there getting into the space. Um, whether it's Costco putting up poultry barns or Smart Chicken doing poultry barns. On the hog side, you have Cactus is an example. They're also on the beef side. So the question I'd have for that person that came in is, you know, who's your contract partner? What's your marketing plan for those birds? What we've experienced, whether it's hogs or poultry, is those contract partners have an incredibly vested interest in your success. And they will all talk to someone that doesn't have previous experience. In fact, they're selling potential producers on their experience, right? We can coach you. We can show you. Here's our production plan. Here's our training. Here's our system. So I would first not caution anybody. Maybe they've been intrigued by this, but they've thought, hey, I've, I have the only eggs I've gotten have been at the store. That's okay. <laughs> We can get you in touch with someone because they're looking for work ethic. They're working for lifestyle. Someone that knows what it's like to get up early and work hard. They will train and coach by and large. Um, And so we would really underwrite the partner and their plan. We can get behind. We can bring value on the numbers and the loan structure to make sure it doesn't, you know, it's a good opportunity for them. But we would also give them some questions and feedback to to ask their potential production partner um, what support are you giving me? I'm giving you, you know, a piece of the family ground. I'm giving you my downstroke on a finance package. How are you going to help me be successful? Because what I think people will find is the contracts look similar, right? They're all out there. They're pretty close. Uh, but what one uh, partner told us in the past is look for the best fit. The person that's going to coach you and train you that you connect with. Because you will have hard times. But if you've picked the right contract partner, they'll have the support system to help get you through where two or three years, you're very, very comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's a, you know, that's a great point of how banks can be partners, you know, not only in just helping with financing, but also helping to make sure that, you know, you've thought all the angles through that you're talking to the right people, that you're getting into business with the right company. Um, I think that that's a really valuable thing that, that your bank in particular does because it's experienced in doing that, which I think is very cool, especially from a community bank standpoint, because there just quite frankly is not very many community banks left. No, <laughs> everything, everything's, you know, consolidating in time and in our community roots are important. And our, our strategy is the more we grow, the more jobs we can have in the communities we serve. But just one other aspect of, of what you mentioned, kind of from the holistic risk underwriting standpoint, uh, and something we've helped folks with in the past is, you know, we also have an insurance agency and sticking with the protein production side, 
know, that insurance agency can come in, you know, maybe you've already built, right? Yeah. Do you have the right coverage in place? And I'll use an example here in Nebraska um, where, you know, there was a barn site that didn't have replacement cost and 95 mile an hour winds come through and you have some roof damage. Well, if you're missing replacement costs, you know, your, your claims process might feel uh, unpleasant. And so that's just another piece of the risk bucket that a good community lender, a good lender will look at. It's great to save a little bit of money on the premium, but if you've given up hundreds of thousands of coverage that your cash flow can't support, that's a terrible experience. So I just wanted to get a plug in there too, as folks look at this and look at their global operation, the insurance piece um, you know, is, is something important to review as well. Don't just race to the lowest premium because you're trying to support cash flow elsewhere. Make sure you have the coverage you need because we're, you know, we're all in the Midwest or on the coast where there's other types of storms. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And you want that insurance to be there. So that's just another piece of risk mitigation. Yeah. And I think even from a continuity standpoint, when you think about, you know, the, the longevity of the operation and the continuity that that insurance piece of it is such a key factor in not only insuring the stuff and the things we produce, but also the people who are so key to those operations. So Absolutely. I think that's a really valid point and how, you know, because the insurance agency is is associated with the bank, you guys are ag experts, your insurance professionals are ag experts also, which I think is another very cool synergistic thing about your, your businesses is the way that they're all developed to kind of support the, and, and specialize in agriculture. Mm-hmm. You bet. Yeah. It's really it's cool. a whole team. Yeah. So just like, give me the stats, like how many staff do you have? How many locations, how many ag lenders? Sure. So between the bank and the, the agency, we have 150 employees. We're in 17 locations throughout Southeast Nebraska. So I'll just name drop a couple towns, UTAM, Plattsmouth, Lincoln, Beatrice, Wilbur, really that corridor. Um, and so that's our geographic footprint. But again, through technology, uh, we have clients in over 35 states in the country and we provide that Midwest service which is nice and responsive and available yeah. yeah, really coast to coast. And that's a key part, you know, of our growth. We, we want to be in the Midwest. It's our roots. It's who we are and where we're from, but man, if we can serve, you know, the country from this platform, we're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of takes the word community to a whole different level when you say yeah. oh, we're in 35 States. <laughs> yeah. But we're still walking in the parade on Saturday. So that's right. That's awesome. It works. That's awesome. So let's let's talk a little bit about the very unique thing that your bank is involved in, which is um, a company called the West Wind Alliance. Do you want to talk a little bit and describe that to the audience? Sure. No, thank you. And West Wind Alliance, I mentioned kind of that national footprint with the community touch. Um, Westwind Alliance is a partnership between First State Bank Nebraska and Lambertson Financial out of California. And it's really an attempt to problem solve for a lot of our customers and and folks that are out there. And that is, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff for growing my operation or starting a new business. What about the other stage, you know, or a stage later when someone's looking to exit? Maybe there aren't heirs on family. Um, that want to come back. What do you do with the ground then or the whole operation? 
Or maybe it's not an exit. Maybe it's a conversion. I've been in dairy production. Now I'm looking to pivot to almonds or row crop to cattle. Or it could be row crop to, to poultry. Um, Westwind Alliance is our partnership to try and have a solution for folks looking to you know, exit ag or convert within ag or um, maybe structure some marketing and grain sales in a more tax conducive environment. So that's conceptually what we're trying to solve. How do we do that? We work with Lambertson Financial on structured installment sales. That's the short of it. Um, and that's taking a, a sale and extending it out over time. Um, and that's what the structured sale piece is. But that's fine unless you want the cash today. And that's where the bank comes in. So Lambertson Financial helps with the structured installment sale. First State Bank Nebraska then can then come in and actually lend on that piece to provide the liquidity that folks need, again, whether they're exiting or looking to convert their operation. So think of it as kind of a next business stage product that's separate from a 1031 exchange. Um, it's separate from a complete liquidation. It's just another tool for how people may uh, transition their operation or exit agriculture you know, down the line. Yeah, let's talk about it from a transition standpoint, because, you know, you mentioned dairy and dairy has definitely been an industry that has uh, not had an easy go of it the last few years. And we have seen the number of dairy producers decline. And so let's just let's just play an example out just so that people can kind of visualize what this looks like. So let's just say we've got a dairy producer in Minnesota and the dairy producer says, you know, dairy is just not really where we want to be. We want to transition out of dairy and into another type of agriculture. Maybe it's, you know, a, a custom agricultural business of some kind. So they come to Lambertson Financial. They say, we want to sell our dairy cattle and potentially our dairy facility to Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith says, yep, I agree. So Lambertson Financial then draws up the sale. Yes. Okay. So now Mr. Smith now owns the dairy and there is payments being made toward the family that's converting. But the, those monthly payments aren't going to get them very far because they want to convert into a whole nother business. So talk about how Lambertson Financial and the bank then get that money to the farmer. Yeah, I, I love your example uh, using the dairy. And, and in fact, any conversion, most of our deals are conversions rather than exits, which is very exciting because ag is continuing. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a legacy to extend. So in that, in that dairy situation, let's say after debt and everything free and clear, uh, it was a million dollars on the sale. Okay. okay? So we've structured a million dollars um, at that time. That million dollars uh, goes into a trust account backed by U.S. Treasuries. Very strong, very safe. Uh, but if that dairy, I think you said, did you say Minnesota? Yep, dairy in Minnesota. If that dairy in Minnesota then maybe wanted to plant hazelnut trees or something like that, they're going to have a capital expense. They're going to have infrastructure expense. So what we can do on that million dollars that went into the trust account, First State Bank Nebraska can come in and lend about 900000 on that day one and provide that $900,000 to the family that had sold the dairy that they can use for infrastructure, improvements, trees, 
all sorts of things to convert their operation without accelerating the taxes they would have experienced had they just taken the million dollars from the sale. That's the big piece from the structured installment. Um, it's a business strategy um, to manage your tax exposure, but then get you the capital you need to grow your operation. Otherwise, you know, they would have been dependent on, you know, maybe that structured installment sale was a million dollars over 10 years. So just a hundred thousand a year. Well, instead of getting that trickled out over a period of time through our loan, they could realize $900,000 of that out of the gate to get their operation going, to get trees in the ground and start building that cash flow um, mm -hmm. for the future. So that's that's the short of it. Uh, we can do 90, 95% of the value of the structured sale um, in a pledge loan. And the neat thing is playing on your example with the dairy, maybe they weren't sure what they wanted to do. And you're two or three down the line, then they decided that, hey, I need that capital. I wanna divert, I wanna uh, kind of re rebuild my operation we can lend down the line too. It's not a decision they have to make the moment they decide to utilize a structured installment sale. The loan decision can come down the line or never at all. Yeah, You can do a structured sale without ever taking out a pledge loan, no problem. But if you're looking to diversify, like your example was, a pledge loan could come in really handy to help on capital and infrastructure expenses to get the new operation going, whatever that may be. Yeah, okay. So- does this only work if it's like, for instance, I guess my question is like, if I'm the daughter of a farmer and I want to buy out my dad, can I use this product if it's an inner family sale? Sure. So that's a lot of that decision is going to be with your tax professional and your attorney mm -hmm. on, on what's the best transition mechanism. Is it to buy from dad, gifted from dad, step up in basis from from dad, mm -hmm. um, there can be a lot of things that come into play on, on whether or not this is right for you. What I would say is this is not the tool for everybody, but it's one that everyone should know about uh, within the family uh, operation mm -hmm. because your, your buyer uh, is really kind of independent of the, the transaction, right? They're, they're grabbing and going, mm -hmm. and this could be a tool, you know, dad may use if needed, but in terms of kind of that specific, not that, but a tax situation, what we would do, we don't replace the CPA. We don't replace the lawyer. That's a kind of like um, transition point. It's a team approach. Right. Bring those decision makers into the room to see if this is a strategy that makes the most tax and business, business succession sense for your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the one thing I love about Westwind's model is that it it brings another tool that not very many people have ever heard of, nor have they ever, you know, probably known someone who've done it. I mean, installment sales, we all know what those are. We know what buying people out over time looks like. We, we understand being able to, you know, pull the tax consequence out of one year and dragging it over multiple years. Like everybody really understands that. But I think what the real frustration is for a lot of people is like, if I pull the payments out over time, then I have to wait till I accumulate some of that money to maybe be able to do the next thing. And so the thing that I really love about this product is it allows you to escalate the, you know, getting the money in hand while still not changing the tax, the, you know, the tax play that the installment sales allows for. And it also is, 
you know, kind of gives you the best of both worlds. You get the money to play with, but the taxes don't hit all at one time. So I, I think that it's just a really very innovative way to put these packages together. No, and, and thanks. We've put a lot of time into um, kind of the experience and the approval because what we found is maybe folks knew about the structured installment sale, but maybe they didn't know about the ability to take a loan. And so they would go to a seminar and they'd hear about the structured installment sale and then they go back to Community Bank X. It's never done it, isn't sure, who's your partner, how does this work? And really, when you get into those questions, something that may have been a great strategy dissolves because the team is not in place to execute on it. And that's where over years working with Lambertson Financial out of California, we know Andrew, Andrew knows us, and we bring that team approach to, again, not replace anybody, but just be at the table. We look at a lot of deals that just aren't fits. That's okay. Like, we're, we're not here to sell a sale or sell a loan. This has to be a good strategy, and that takes time, um, working with CPAs and working with lawyers, but there's nothing worse than having the right strategy, but not the team that, but, but missing the team that can execute on it. Yeah. And I just want to fine point that off your previous comments. We've been doing these for over three, three years, coming on four years now. We know our partner, our partner knows us. So we can execute if this is something that you think is good for your operation. You don't have to then go and explain it to your, you know, banking partners and start all over. We've done it. We get it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's such a such a great point is that there is nothing that will kill an opportunity faster than having a professional that doesn't know what it is or how it works, because then they just by nature have to be cautious on your behalf and they shut the deal down. <laughs> they won't go research it. They just shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> to you know and try to move you into a more traditional path. So yeah, yeah. I think that that's such an important thing to say is you know making sure that you're that you're not trying to get a professional who's never done one of these to buy into it because the experience will not be good. Um, but to really like reach out and talk to you more if if someone's out there going, oh my gosh, that sounds like exactly what we need to do. It would help us achieve our goals as a business and as a family you know, I would just encourage you, don't try to go and sell that to your CPA who doesn't know anything about it. Like call Jeff first and let yeah. Jeff talk to your CPA. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we love that. We learn something every time, every situation's different. And that, you know, your, your listeners are fantastic to, to work through this. This is a tailor-made product for people. Yeah, It, it looks different every time. And you're either a bank that that frustrates the heck out of you and you don't want to do them, or you're a bank that enjoys learning and understanding new applications. And so that, I just throw that out for the benefit of your listeners. Your situation's unique. Don't apologize for it. It's your operation. We can, we'll lean into it and figure it out. Um, but every, every situation's a little bit different. So you want those folks that know what they're looking at. And, and can give you the advice because you're you're making a decision here that is incredibly significant for yourself, your heirs, and what your operation may look like in the future. Um, but don't think your situation uh, doesn't count. Run it through. Kick. I, people say kick the tires on it a little bit. You're not wasting anybody's time. It's what we do. 
Um, we try and figure out if this is a potential solution. And then you and your tax professionals can decide if you think it's the best solution for you. Right. That's a family for your family. And that's a decision for your family and your team. Yeah. What have, what have been some of the, you know, like maybe just share like your favorite success story that has occurred because of this product? Oh man. If I may, maybe just two. You can, um, yeah, you can share sorry. two. I'll let you, I'll let you do that because we love one, success stories. One, one was an operation that was actually out. Uh, it was a conversion, like we just mentioned. Um, and it, it was a dairy that made a strategic decision to pivot towards almonds. And the comment the person made at closing um, was, now I get to use my money to grow my operation before I thought I was going to lose most of what I built. And that was a feel good for the team because they the farm kept going and they felt like they had earned and worked them, themselves into something. And that the short of it was, were they exiting completely or were they able to diversify um, and, and grow in almonds? So that, that was one thing. I, I love that story. The family's still in production. They're good friends of the bank today. Um, and we were able to provide a solution. The second one uh, would be just a, a situation where there was no conversion. It was, it was an exit from the space. and that family thought, I guess we just have to pay the taxes because for them, a 1030, something we run into a lot is a 1031 exchange. Sure. Um, and then folks feel like they have to go find something and then mm -hmm. find something at what value. And this, you get this urgency and you really start to see values propositions shrink. Yep. Um, and people kind of come under pressure. Well, this is a great tool as an alternative to a 1031 exchange. And, you know, this was a family that ultimately didn't take the loan. And I just want to share with your viewers, us not getting the loan isn't what this is about. Us telling people of other opportunities is what this is about. Um, they used a structured installment sale to build basically a 15-year annuity mm -hmm. for this couple. And that was, they built their own retirement income, really a pension on their hard work, and they didn't lose it to taxes or um, you know, other things at, at that stage of their life yeah. and seeing them get that benefit for their enjoyment, for their peace of mind at retirement uh, was a feel good. And so that, yeah, that's why I share one of our wins wasn't even a loan relationship for the bank. It was just a family that we were able to help make aware of this, that used the structured installment sale, never asked for the pledge on, they may, I don't, who knows what five years has, but at the time it was getting them the solution they needed that was the best fit for them. And that that's just as much a feel good as closing a big loan. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that really paralyzes people when we're talking about, you know, making changes to our farming operations or getting into a succession discussion is, you know, that fear of that the taxes will take it all right. Taxes are nursing home and, yes. and farm families are, are just very acutely aware that they do not want their money to go to the government. They want their money to stay in their communities, in their families. They want it to, you know, be very localized. And so I think that that example that you just shared is wonderful because for a lot of farmers, the thought of exiting a farming business with no successors 
where they're just selling assets is terrifying because not only are they exiting a business that they love, but then they're also faced with the potential of just incredible tax ramifications where they're seeing a huge chunk of what they've built go out the door in year one. Mm-hmm. of their transition. And so I love that there are products like this out here that will allow people to control that. Yeah. And, and this product also, the structured installment sale works well for maybe that producer that also has some debt. That's something else we didn't talk about. Yeah. Maybe the timing is right, but I, I have an operating line. Well, by the time I clear my operating line and then I've got the tax consequent, what's left? And the point is there's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's a different way to do that deal uh, to where your pie is more equitable to the work you put into the pie, that's what that's what we're all about. And we we have done several loans where we'll come in with a bridge loan to pay off the debt and then structure the remaining piece. And without getting into all the details on, on one of those opportunities, that was the difference between a family taking home 80,000 at the end of the transaction or 480,000 through structured installment sale and a pledge loan. So we are talking meaningful numbers um, for folks to have a phone call or look into this a little bit more um, for those you know listening that are, are big on Google and, and want to do some of their, their own homework. Um, internal revenue code section 453 is something you can Google and look into and, and it lays this, this tool out. You can read legal opinions and accounting opinions on it. I'm not a lawyer or an accountant, um, but that's just something if someone's intrigued, they can take away from this is kind of a poke around and see what this is all about. It's been around. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just we're helping get the message out there that now there's a team on the structured sale and the bank side that can execute for you. And, and that's kind of our value proposition. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So Tell me a little bit about the size of deals, because I know that this is sometimes like if you're a really big producer, you know, you're going to qualify for this stuff because you're a huge producer. When you're a smaller producer, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, well, they wouldn't want to mess with me because I'm tiny. So, you know, I've talked to Andrew, too. And so I know the answer to this, which is why I want you to answer it, because I think people will be very surprised. But how small could a deal be where this still makes sense for Lambertson Financial and for you. Sure. So our on the bank side, we'll always work back from the structured installment sale. So we'll be 90, 95% of that. On the on the structured piece, again, unique to each situation, but you can have deals sometimes as low as 200, 250,000 where the numbers begin to make economic sense. And given where prices are at today, it doesn't take a lot of bushels of corn to get there um, or land values or things like that. So this isn't just a a big person's game. There's a lot of entry opportunities, again, to at least have the phone call and say, hey, here's my situation. Does this make sense? Um, Because we we touched base on the land sale or the conversion side, but there's also an ordinary income piece where maybe you are a large producer and you're marketing hundreds of thousands of bushels a year. Well, you can also do that within a structured installment sale and take a pledge loan. Um, that might be better than deferring something to the next year. Again, just yeah, another application of the tool for folks to look at. But the entry point of two to two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, again, just to see does it make sense with fees? 
uh, is generally attainable and not a barrier for folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's awesome because I I love products and solutions that are very flexible where, you know, it's not a one size fit all. And if you don't fit in this very narrow little lane, it, you're not going to qualify for it. So the thing that I love about what Westwind Financial is doing is it applies to a lot of different situations. It, it can hinge on a lot of different kinds of collateral. It can work in any state. It can work in any kind of, you know, ag production business. And so I think that that's one of the really cool things about this is it's it's very flexible and it allows a lot of people to explore this and utilize it. Um, and it's not it's not very exclusive. So I love yeah. that about it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was just one thing I wanted to impart on, on the listeners. They're not the first doing this. You know, this has been done. Uh, we've done several deals, millions of dollars uh, throughout the country. So if it is something that's intriguing or they're looking into, um, you know, we're, we're happy to reach out and, and talk to them and walk through their situation. But don't <laughs> if you're sitting in your combine listening this fall to this podcast, you're not the only one looking at this. There's other folks that have not only executed on it. Our biggest thing on the, the website, westwindalliance.com and the customer testimonials. Yeah, I, I respect the heck out of you, Rena, but for those that want to fact check us with other producers that have gone through it, the testimonials are out on the website, westwindalliance.com, and we're updating those as we do deals to talk about their journey and their experience. So all I'm really on here to do is tell you we can execute, but talk to your talk to peers about it. What was it like? What, what was their journey and their story? Because um, you're, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So as a as a professional that's been in the banking world for you know quite a few years, what has been the most what has been one of the cool things that you have learned as the bank has moved into this partnership? What was what was something that you learned that was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome? Oh geez. Oh man. Um so something I learned that was awesome is and, and this is an ongoing thing that I'm learning is there's a huge passion and desire for people to come back to the farm and be a part of an operation. There's also incredible pressure for that operation to be able to allow for that. Mm -hmm. And so what, what I've learned, I guess, in the almost 12 years now of community banking is there are ways to do it. And not every everyone's journey is going to look the same, but there are ways but it's about putting the team together to help that mm -hmm. years and years and years ago, you know, folks may have done their own agronomy and their own marketing and it was all at the kitchen table. Well, now you're more the general manager and you have your professionals around the room. And I guess what I've learned is, and that really makes me feel good is we've grown our company, our bank to the size where we can problem solve outside of just our area to a lot of different people. And by us leaning into some challenges and doing the whole roll your sleeves up, we've helped people come back to the farm. Yeah. We've prevented, we've, we've taken families that maybe thought exit was the only path and helped them diversify. And now you're not just dealing with kids. There's grandkids coming in and maybe there's a produce stand spinoff and all these things that by being a solution provider, um, it's kind of an organization that leans into the challenge rather than the one that says we've never done that before. Um, I 
I'm in banking because of those journeys and those stories. We have got to keep up and not just respond, but be a leader uh, of solutions for our producers. They pick what works best for their operator. That's their call. But fooey on us if we're not always coming up with ideas and, hey, here's something to look at. Um, so I, I gave you a long kind of a fluffy answer. But what I love is seeing those things, not just closing the deal, but looking back five to seven years later and saying, holy cow, here's where we came because we found a way to get to yes. Mm-hmm. Or we found the solution to the tax problem that they had. I love doing that. I don't know what it'll look like 10 years from now, yeah. um, but but right now that's what we've been able to do for folks. And I think that's part of the secret sauce to our growth mm-hmm. over that period of time. We're going to continue to grow because our producers and our customers are growing. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, we want to yeah. keep up and, and do it together. We win together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pretty serious about that. Yeah. What do you think have been some of the, the biggest misconceptions or challenges as you've started to develop the West Wind Alliance? What have been some of the, the, you know, the frequent things that you run into that clients are misinformed or maybe have the wrong idea about a product like this? Yeah. The number one thing I would say is the awareness that a structured installment sale can be monetized through a pledge loan. That was our number one hurdle and the thing we continue to message on. Most folks think structured installment sale or land contract. I'm out there for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in a land contract, that can be part of the risk. And you've got that risk on the, on the buyer side. So raising the awareness that the structured installment sale can be used with a pledge loan has been the number one thing that we've just been trying to coach and educate people on. It seems like nine out of 10 folks are aware of a 1031 exchange. We, it just rolls off the tongue. Right. But a structured installment sale and then a pledge loan kicker is just a point of coaching and educating um, and then telling stories mm-hmm. of where it worked. But I don't want your listeners to think the stories are restrictive. Just because we didn't share a story that your situation doesn't mean this isn't a fit for you. It might very well could be. It might very well be. Uh, we just need to work through the mechanics of it. But just raising awareness that a structured installment sale can utilize a pledge loan to get you the liquidity has been the number one messaging challenge uh, that we've had. And we're leaning into it by doing podcasts, getting information on the website, and going out and visiting producers, talking to CPAs and lawyers to figure out how we can execute this um, for people. Yeah. So let me ask this, though. We've talked a lot about agriculture. Does this product work for non-ag businesses? Sure. So, yeah, a structured installment sale you can do on anything. So absolutely. Um, The unique thing to agriculture, and why I mentioned Internal Revenue Code Section 453 earlier, is that section of the code then allows for the pledge loan uh, that we really educate ag producers on. So that is special treatment within ag production. Now, ag production is broadly written. It could also mean timber. It can mean aqua, marine life, lots of things within that. But yeah, you can have a non, non-ag business and still a structured installment sale might be a tool for you. Um, you, can even, you can even lend on it, but that's a different facility than what we've been talking about here. But the tax benefit is pretty exclusive to ag producers and the ability to monetize that uh, is unique to ag producers. 
Yeah. Which I think is very cool. Right. Because we need all the breaks we can get. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so what do you, you know, you mentioned several times that first state is just constantly evolving, growing, learning, you know, bringing ancillary services together to create kind of collaborative teams within your world that can then, you know, just serve clients more simply, more thoroughly. So what's next on the horizon for, for state? Geez. Okay. Well, I, I, our first, our first next over the horizon is we're approaching a billion dollars. So that's going to be a big, a big move for us from, from the regulation standpoint. Uh, but from our, our loan, the traditional kind of banking side of things, we're really going to lean into the kind of business acquisition financing. So again, that could be within agriculture or other commercial angles as well. But we see a lot of opportunities in business acquisition financing coming in, in the next several years. And we'll utilize SBA as well as part of that. But that's just another way Maybe someone wants to come back and, and live on the farm, but they purchased a fintech, uh, something they can do from home. Mm-hmm. You can finance that business purchase. Um, so that that's really, we, we do that a little bit right now with wealth managers. I'm looking at some dental practices and things like that. But in addition, you know, ag will always be our bread and butter, but we're going to look at business acquisition financing and just kind of silo that out by industry and practice. Mm-hmm. It's a key area of our growth. but. You know, right now we're really focused on the structured installment sales and the pledge loans, but uh, down the line, we're going to be a solution provider for business acquisition financing. Yeah, I think that's cool too, because you're in rural communities where it's very hard, you know, if you have a business, who's going to buy it? And then how do you get it financed? And so I think that that's, you know, not only cool from the standpoint of just you know, keeping rural communities vibrant and keeping businesses in place that can serve people that live in rural areas, but then also just, again, another area of expertise, because so many even ag operations are diversified with some sort of professional agribusiness that runs alongside of it. And so I think that's a, that's a really cool next step for you guys that just to bring in more expertise and you know, just continue to build the vibrancy of the bank that way. Yeah. And successful small businesses are successful main streets and successful main streets are successful communities. Um, And we are going to lean into that, lean into that challenge. Someone, you know, might not have an opportunity back on the farm, but maybe they can buy, you know, local bakery or local newspaper, um, or they want to open a dental practice or a chiropractor's office. There are all sorts of things that people can do again, to be, to be part of a rural community. And sometimes financing is a piece of that. And, and we want to be the bank that says, well, let's take a look at that. Right. I think we can not, we've never done that before. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of territory, but is there anything that I didn't ask you that we need to talk about before we wrap up for this afternoon? Cause we have covered a ton of ground today. We did. And I, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity. I, I would just leave with the the opportunity for folks to call and ask. It's we're, Hopefully you got across in this message. This isn't an aggressive sales thing. Uh, it's not we then call you back 10 times and where are you at? 
we probably ask more questions than we do talking just to understand if this is a fit and and what we could do. So no, I, you, you covered everything really, really well. I would just add to anyone that's kind of scratching their head on what is this about? They're welcome, you know, to reach out to us and, and give us a call, check out the website at westwindalliance.com. There's a ton of literature there, but there might be some head spinning. That's okay. It took us a while to get around this too. Yeah. But now that we have, you can hopefully hear the passion in my voice. We're excited to share the story because there's something here for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the best fit for them or not, that's their call. But there's there are other strategies out there. So what we'll do, Jeff, is for everybody that's listening, you know, we will have all of this information in the show notes. If you happen to be watching this video on YouTube, just look right below the video. All of Jeff's contact information, links to the bank, links to Westwind, they're all going to be there for you. Um, please do reach out to Jeff. And if you happen to go visit Jeff, you might get to meet the very lovely newest addition to the bank as a lovely little puppy named Trip. Yes. So you know, I, I got to put in a plug for Trip because, I mean, if nothing else, go see the puppy. I'm glad you did. Yeah, we have a, a three three month old yellow lab puppy running around here. So you can give her a treat. So, you know, that was a unique for me. I've never met a bank that has a mascot. And so I'm just like, I'm all in on first date, man. If you're going to have yeah. running around, I'm in on that. <laughs> so she's a biter. Yeah. Oh, well, only for a little while before her manners right. begin. She just becomes this lovely brand ambassador for you. But yeah, so we'll have all the of Jeff's contact information. Please do get in touch with him if you are, you know, even if you're looking for, you know, a bank that's going to listen to you and help, you know, help you get your dream put into action. I think this Jeff is a great person to call brainstorm with. You will not be wasting your time. So please check that out. Get a hold of Jeff. And thank you again for listening to the podcast today. So Jeff, thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Rena. You bet. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to Ag Inspo, the podcast. Please visit my website at tomorrowiscoming.com and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear from another amazing entrepreneur who has had the courage to break through and bring an idea to life.